0: open up to Ephesians chapter 1 though and let's read now (laughs) Uh, week (laughs) 9 in Ephesians 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful who are in Christ Jesus grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Paul begins every one of his epistles with this kind of introduction grace grace. Can you imagine getting a letter from your boss? Mm. Can you imagine getting a letter from your superior? Can you imagine being called into the office? And you would be, okay, I'm bust, busted. Here we go. This has been a fun ride so far. And Paul, when he sends his letters out, even if he has correction and direction, he always begins with, hey, grace. It's grace. It's grace that got you this far. It's grace that's going to pick you back up again. It's grace that's going to take you even farther. There's something weird in our Christianity, that says, oh man, it's so good to be saved by grace. But now we set that down and we move into works. We move into the law. We move into the woulda, shoulda, coulda, bring out the scale. How you doing? <sighs> the only problem with that is most of us are prone to wander. We're prone to failure. We set our standards and we break them. Okay, And I'm all for working out our salvation, moving forward, doing better, being excellent. But you've got to understand, it starts with grace. It's Founded by grace it's wrapped in grace grace teaches us to deny the things of the world grace teaches us to get up again as a matter of fact i haven't found personally any sweeter fellowship with jesus rather than the fellowship that i found when i needed his grace the most that's hard to say let me say it again I haven't found any sweeter real fellowship or connection with Jesus other than the times where it was only and purely and sheerly by grace and grace alone because I'd blown it so bad, because I found myself only approaching him by his kindness and wonders. It wasn't by Luke Vichette's abilities. You've had those times of fellowship, haven't you, where you've done well and you've been good and you and the Lord are doing well. But there's other times where you haven't done good, you've fallen, you've struggled, you've... You haven't, you've come up short, and the Lord is a good, good father. That's who he is. And when he wraps his arm around you, ah, changes everything. Paul always addresses his letters, and I would just encourage you to start every one of your days, every one of your conversations, every one of your dialogues, every one of your projects going back to where you started at the beginning, grace. As a matter of fact, Paul has strong words for the church at Galatia, right near Ephesus, a little bit higher northeast. And he speaks to the church at Galatia, and he just kind of asks him some pointed questions. He says, let me just ask you, when you got saved, was it because you did great things or because you found grace? Was it by the Spirit? Then he goes on to rebuke them. He says, why then now are you trying so hard to fulfill your commitments to God in the flesh rather than in the Spirit? It's what we all do. It's what we all do. Grace changes everything. This is how we need to speak to one another in our homes, by the way. Because you love your spouse by grace, don't you? But then you hold them accountable by the law. <laughs> you love your kids by grace. I think it's illegal not to love your kids, so you do it. But then you hold them accountable by the law. You know what? We need this language of grace for one another. This, it changes everything between husbands and wives that fail each other, between kids and parents that stress each other, between neighbors and people that don't always get along. If you don't know the language of grace, it's not going to go well for you. Your communication is going to break down quick. Grace is not just something we receive. It's something we contribute and give to other people. Something, we don't just take it for ourselves. Isn't that fun? Take, 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 take. Get that grace, man. Make sure though you're giving it. I dare you to be gracious today. Oh, you'll be so fun to be around. Gracious, kind, generous, benevolent. And you won't really be able to do that until you receive it, believe it, accept it for yourself. Until you truly forgive yourself today. Until you truly just let it go. Until you truly just let the Lord love you. Paul, again, is a prisoner of Rome, an apostle of Jesus, one who had betrayed God and received grace and was able to then, with a smile on his face, say, hey guys, gals, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. He goes on to then explore the riches. Verses 3 through 14, the longest sentence in the Bible, one long I can't take another breath, I'll die. One sentence without punctuation, without a period. He just keeps going and going. All detailing, all exploring, all extracting everything we got when we got God. I I, I need that to really set into your hearts today. Because I believe you're the 9 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., daylight savings, storm warning, who cares, we're going to church crew. (laughs) So you got, you guys got God, I'm pretty confident. You guys have him. But I wonder if there's other things in the small print that you're, just, you're not completely aware of. Paul, in verses 3 through 14, details in great length and depth the things that are ours. And so let's just read it one more time. We'll study it beginning in verse 12 today. Believe it or not, we're going to finish the longest sentence in the Bible today. Hope verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ before he unpacks it. He just kind of gives it a description every blessing all the blessings Uh, yeah every blessing And some of you are waiting. Oh man, the lord must be holding out on me I must have to get some things in order before he gives me more There's there's things I haven't yet received because I haven't it's not what it says here it says they're in Jesus, they're in him. It's a person that you're looking for. Oftentimes people ask about church programs. Do you have any programs? Do you have any programs for the church? Programs for singles, programs for moms, programs for men, programs for kids, programs? I'm not against programs, we do have them. But what you really need is not a program, you need a person. You can go to a thousand programs a week, okay? and it won't be enough. Or you can go to no programs per week and have a person. It's Christ, and you will have Everything. You will have everything. It's a, per, it's a person. It's a person. It's Christ in you, and it's you in him. It's the hope of glory. It is everything. Well, just verse 4, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Don't ever forget this is God's idea, not yours wasn't your idea to seek the lord and be good i think i'm gonna seek the lord and be good today i think i'll change my life i think i'll live for the kingdom of heaven this is his good pleasure and his will that'll set you free the fact you're thinking about god and drawn to god and are going to heaven when you die that was all him and if it's all him it's all up to him okay he's giving you the spirit working out through you it's all from him, all through him, all back to him. The Bible teaches that in the book of Romans, verse or chapter 13. Well, it's to the praise, verse 6, of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's the Easter message right there. It's all through him. For God so loved the world that he paid for everyone, that he came to seek and to save. Verse 7, in him is, I already read that, verse 8, which he made this love, this grace to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Again, we've talked about this verse for many, many weeks, verse 9. But I just want you to understand what Paul's writing. he's like, man, God, he showed us. Paul had lived with this mystery looming in front of him, this desire for all the ancients, all the prophets, all the writers of the Old Testament had alluded to the mystery, which is Christ. And when Christ was revealed, the mystery was given to humanity. It's all Jesus. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car many years ago, and it just said, Jesus is the answer. And one smart aleck, gas station attendant, just asked me, what's the question? And I was like, I'm not, and he was, Jesus is the answer, what's the question? And I was like... And I, you, whatever, you, yeah, exactly. He's the answer, man. It's all in Jesus. (laughs) Verse 10. Gas prices went up sharply that day. (laughs) The mystery that in the dispensation, here it is, of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and with which are on earth in him. I just freak out every time I think about Paul who hated Christ so much. And now he's like, I'm going to write a letter and all I'm going to talk about is Jesus. And when I talk to you personally, I'm just going to talk about Jesus. And I'm going to wonder if you know Jesus. And Have you met Jesus yet? Have you think, thought about Jesus today? Did you know that Jesus is the answer? This guy, would read his testimony in the book of Acts. When the guy gets saved in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 7, his whole testimony there he begins to immediately tell people about Jesus. And most people, for the next 13 years, wouldn't believe him. They're like, I'm pretty sure you're not on this team. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you were against this team. I don't know. For 13 years, he just was pushed to the side as he explored the riches, grace, and kindness of Jesus and wanted other people to know. And here he says, it's all about him. Christ has gathered all things. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Paul in prison, having nothing, had everything. So many of us right now are just waiting for our situation to change, waiting for our health to regulate before we choose joy, waiting for our, our spouse to, to come back or our spouse to go away. Or Don't wait for that. Waiting for, waiting for something, to, waiting for a change, waiting for the weather. I just praying yesterday. It's like, Lord, we just need summer, like, soon. <laughs> we, need, we need summer. And there's here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's right now. It's right now. Now that we have this access. In Him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. It changes everything. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things, according to the counsel of His will, He's so in charge, verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. I want to read that again because this is where we're going to start today. That we who first trusted in Christ. Should be to the praise of his glory. in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who? This is a person. The Holy Spirit of promise moved in you when you trusted and believed. Something happened. You raised your hand, you decided, you got baptized, you confessed, you felt something, maybe you didn't feel anything. It doesn't matter if you felt or didn't felt. Something happened. You were sealed. It's a done deal It says it right here this is something i'm going to really talk about this at length today and i want you to get this understanding of who the holy spirit is what what he's done and as a matter of fact just tune into this reality right now that in verse 13 and 14 as paul winds down the longest sentence the longest thought if you would and he transitions now he ends on the person of the holy spirit this is so important to us in our walk with jesus he talked he talk, talk talk, talk talk, talk about God about God, about God about God about God about God about God about God, about God. and then he ends saying and it's the Holy Spirit in you that's the power behind all this if you 've wondered where the inheritance is, if you 've wondered where the grace is, where the peace is, where the acceptance is, where the benevolence is, where the where the joining is or where the adoption is, or where all these things are, it's in a person the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a little bit in Verse 13, it says, in him you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. End thought. Next verse. Therefore, I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Can you imagine getting this letter from Paul and him saying, not send money, help me, please bail me out. He's saying, you know what? I think about you guys every day. I'm so thankful for you at Ephesus. And they're like, who's he thankful for? Who's he, us? He says, this isn't for me, this is for you. us. This is the apostle Paul. He's like, Ugh. he's not making stuff up. He's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus, their love for the saints. And he doesn't stop making mention of them in his prayers, giving thanks for them. Would that encourage you if you got that letter? If I were to send you a personal letter to your address and I were to thank you for your love for Jesus and your love for the church and say, I just, I see it. You're so rich. You have, I just see it in you. And I just want you to know I am thankful for you. I'm encouraged. Would that change anything? Would that help you? Paul sent that to them. They would expect Paul saying, please, help, pray for me. He says, no, you need to understand. I, I, I heard about you, and not just I, but God. We, we're so thankful for you. A little thanks goes a long way, doesn't it? A little appreciation. Not, not to boost our ego or to make us prideful, but sometimes if you're like me, you just feel alone. You feel like a little island, don't you? You just feel like, I don't know if anybody knows the pressure I'm under, the struggles I'm going through, the the warfare, the the attempts I've tried and failed at, the the attempts I've tried and succeeded at. I don't know if anybody sees what's happening, and I don't, you feel alone, and sometimes I see, I see everything, and God will say that to you this morning, I see everything. I see every time you've tried and failed, and I appreciate it, and I see every time you've tried and succeeded, and I am so thankful for you. Most of us in here have a very low self-esteem, Okay. Uh, And and we we protect ourselves and we promote ourselves, but really deep down, okay, we're we're afraid to expose ourselves and to be real. We're very vulnerable or should I say, we're very, um, we don't want to be vulnerable. And God would say to you, and this pastor would say to you also, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. As I look around, as I consider who you are, what God's doing, I just... It's too. It's too much. Almost. Wow! Look at the people. Look at the way that God's changed their lives. I just look around. Everyone. He has a story that I can tell. That I can point to and say, "I see. I know. I'm going to tell your story later on Facebook." No, I'm just kidding. You know. I so am like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. He says, "I heard about you, and I don't stop praying for you, saying thank you to God." He goes on in verse 17 through 23 in one of two uh, prison prayers in the book of Ephesians. He he prays for them. There's two prayers. We're going to study that next week. Uh, He prays for the church at Colossae and the church at Philippi as well in his prison letters for them. These are the, the prison prayer letters if you wanted to study those. And every time he prays for his churches while in prison, he never prays for material things for them, just so you know. Okay? He prays for spiritual character and wealth spiritual wealth he prays for a fullness a character and not just a character check this out but he prays for an understanding of what the heck is going on in our world spiritually he wants his church not to have more things but to know more things he wants his church to be set apart in their character and in their knowledge of how the world is going and what they ought to be and how their responses to the things of the world i just need you to get that from a pastoral prayer for his people. Maybe it's the way you ought to pray for your spouse. Maybe it's the way you should pray for your kids, that they would have Christian character that is godly, that is a download from him, a, a supernatural change. How many of you guys have, a, have had a supernatural change in your character? Something that you can't take the credit for, but like, you're just, you're different. You're, your want-tos are different. I don't want to do those, and I, I do want to do this, and when I do the bad thing I used to love to do, it makes me feel weird now. I don't like that anymore I used to love this I don't love that anymore Something, And it's a super no. Natural change <laughs> Good job Pastor Matt Thank you That's no, it's on time <laughs> Just kidding That was <laughs> Well Paul's prayer Is just that You can slam that shut Luke just go ahead And let her nose boss Let's pray now <laughs> Father in Jesus name We've read your word We're studying it out It's a normal Sunday Just a church day but, Lord, our lives are anything but normal. We do our services here, Lord. You know it. We, we have clocks and we have programs and we, we practice. But all of our lives are so organic, though. They're just so crazy. We don't know what's coming next. And we humble ourselves here, Lord, this crew who's gathered together, and we just say, touch us again, change us again. Supernatural life change moment this morning in Jesus' name. Those streaming online, those watching later, those tuning in, The kiddos in the back room, in Jesus' name, may their eyes be opened up to the things of Jesus today. We love you very much. We thank you for what you're going to do, what you've already done, and for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, When I got saved, I moved out of my drug dealing house that I was living in. And I moved into this little ghetto apartment on 2020 uh, Lincoln Street. And that's where I lived with these three other guys. And we were all single dudes. And we discipled each other. And the way this house worked, it was called the mustard seed by the one who started it. I called it the ghetto. Anyways, he called it the mustard seed. And you would live there as a single male, discipling one another, serving at various churches until you got a wife. And then you were able to move out. That was kind of the graduation, like get a wife and you can move out. And we all, eventually moved out one at a time and eventually this place went through eight or nine ten guys over a five or six year period i being one of them in a two-year period and as we all moved out finally it shut down and we figured we'd all give a hand cleaning it up a little bit and no one had vacuumed in about eight years it was the bachelor pad, man. the place was beyond repair and so we took all of our skills together and we turned a vacuum on and began to vacuum and it was kind of crazy and you what happened was is upstairs actually in my room I shared a one-bed, or was a, a two-room apartment with one bathroom upstairs, and we had three guys in my room, bunk beds, and a dude on the floor. Anyways, it was awesome. Uh, so we began to vacuum, and there's this one particular plug, though, in the room. We plugged it in, no power. So we, we tried the bottom of the plug, no, no power in this one, too. And so most of us were recently married, so we put our MacGyver skills together and did what married guys do, which is fix stuff. And so we began to then toy with this plug, what's wrong with this plug, the other plugs work, and, we figured out it wasn't a plug at all, okay? If you pulled on it, you could actually pull it right out of the wall and it wasn't a plug, it was actually a secret compartment where you could hide stuff. It was like a little drop safe in there. It went five inches back and five inches down and we're thinking, this is great. We've lived here for eight years and no one's even known about this and we were hoping there's gonna be something fun in there. No, nope, nothing. We pull, pulled it out. Nothing in there whatsoever. And so, bottom line is, we've cleaned the rest of the house, and we put a bunch of "How to Get Saved by Jesus" tracks in there, and put it back together. And just thought, oh, it's gonna be so fun. Someone finds that. Here's the deal, though. We lived there the whole time in this little secret, kind of cool compartment. You could hide stuff, whatever you want, in there. Hide your, hide your keys from your roommate to his car. You know, hide stuff in there, whatever you wanted to hide. It was just a secret little spot, no one knew about. I'm under the firm conclusion that there are things detailed in the book of Ephesians that are like secret hiding spots that Christians don't know about. There's things that have been given to us. There's things that are available to us, things that have already been purchased and provided for that we're just not taking advantage of, things that would change everything. Okay, When you finally figure out, oh, man, this, oh, man, that. As a matter of fact, I've been hanging around some what I would call Younger Christians, so that is Christ, uh, younger in their faith, not younger in age, but younger Christians, and they're learning things that I've known for many, many years. And when you see them learn these new truths, these nuances, these connection points, these doctrines and theologies, they're like, have you heard of? And they'll begin to share with me this doctrine. And I act like I've never heard it before. No way. <laughs> Are you? Oh, and they say, do you know this? i like, yeah, I knew that. Oh, this is crazy. It changes their life. Let me just ask a simple question here. How many of you, <laughs> I don't care how long you've been a Christian, okay? I don't care how much you know. You, some of you know more than I do. You've, you've studied, you've learned, you've listened, okay? How many of you, though, would just say, I could use some change today? Like, I could use a change. I could use an upgrade. I could use a boost. I could use a correction. I could just use a strengthening. I could use more roots, more fruits, more stuff. I just, I could use, duh, that's why I'm here, that's so why I go to a Bible-teaching church. I always tell people the three elements of a, of a church you should go to is one, you're, they teach the Word, and you get fed. Okay? This is bonus, by the way. You get fed, you leave, oh, that was good. But number two, you should be challenged. Okay? Don't just get your ears tickled. You should leave every Sunday going, man, that was so good, and I should probably do some of that. <laughs> you know, I should do. And the third thing in a church, that's number four, the third thing in a church is you should find some way to be part of the body. Okay? you gotta, you got to be connected. you got to either pray, give, serve, support love something you can't just slip through the cracks be that as it may i need to change and there's something in this text today that's going to change your life just like uh, as we find a secret so look at verse 12 with me and this is uh the entire uh, key i'm gonna say it this way i looked at my sentence like seven times like can i say that can i say that the entire key to life is in verse 12 Yeah, whoa, better sit up for this one, you know. The entire key to your existence is detailed in verse 12. Everything you're trying to accomplish or trying to enjoy or wishing you had or struggling or striving to be is clarified in verse 12. Let's read it. It says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. (sighs) Our lives, when we trust, or even if you don't trust, when you come to that, everything God has made, every human, believer or non believer, every star that's shining right now, every plant that's growing, every raindrop that's falling, every wind that's blowing, every thing that's happening under Him, everything was made to reflect, to resemble, to point to, to display His glory. It's all for his glory. Everything around you. I sat yesterday at Starbucks next to this couple who was traveling on their way. Are oh, they driven from Mississippi all the way? They told me their whole, whole trip. <laughs> and they were on their way to, to Tillamook. And I was like, Tillamook? And I was like, Do you, have you been there? And I, I strongly counseled them against that decision. <laughs> but they were talking and I didn't know they were believers. They said, you know what? On this whole trip, we just keep looking at the wonders of the Lord. And we just can't believe all the things we've seen in Lake Tahoe and the trees. It was like icing on a cake. It's just so beautiful. and All of it just shows the glory of God. And I said, yeah, that's, that's Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. And day into day utter speech and night into night reveals knowledge. And there's no language where their voice is not heard. And everything God has ever done is for that one purpose, to give him glory, to make him look amazing, to make him look kind and generous, to make him look thoughtful and able, So the entire key to life is hidden right here in this verse because our lives are now to be lived for his glory, not our own glory. This is a life change moment. This is where you're going to find the sweet spot every single time you look in the mirror, you look at your bank account, you look at your family, you look at your house, you look at your vehicle, you look at what you've done, you look at what you haven't done, even to the glory of God is your sin that has been forgiven everything now this is kind of a, a a battle of the mind to receive the joy because whether or not you understand that your successes or failures that your life in totality whether you understand or believe or apprehend that it's all for god's glory did you know that god is still getting the glory from your life Like on his end, he's not worried about it. He's still getting the glory from your life, whether you know it or not. The problem, the disconnect where you miss life is where you don't understand that everything you've done, right or wrong, can be for him and not you. And when you just pull yourself out of the equation and realize that you were made, you didn't make yourself, that you were given an opportunity, you didn't earn it, that it was all by him through him, and to him. When you then live your life and go your way, you'll find it's not about me. It's not about me, and life gets fun. Your life will be the exact same, whether it's about you or not about you. Did you know that? This actually won't change anything you're doing. It'll change why you do what you do. I don't seek to change your lifestyle and what you're doing, but I do want to set you free in why you do what you do. Your daily rhythms, your daily routines, good or bad. You're trying, you're working it out. Listen, everything. Look at verse twelve again. I need you to just see the simplicity here. That we who first trusted in Christ should be what? To the praise of his glory. That's your whole goal. And when you just smile, yesterday I was had a busy morning, Saturday morning, I did a lot of stuff, and I did a lot of stuff for myself yesterday. I got up early, I went to the gym, I did a couple competitions and did some stuff, and I felt really good. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't even matter. What matters is is the Lord, and I did what I did for the Lord, and God's good, and God's on the throne, and God wins, and my glory's going to fade, and his glory's forever, and you know, it's so fun to just be alive. It's so fun to just live for him, and to trust in him, and to want him over my own glory to go on, and on, and on, and on. So here's the deal. If you're racing your kids right now, Okay? For your own glory, you're going to struggle, you're going to strive, you're going to stress. And if you're paying your bills and investing your future and playing your cards and doing things right for your own glory, okay, you're never going to find, listen, the security and the peace and the purpose that is just one thought process away. You should raise your kids. You should invest. You should plan. You should work out. You should do stuff. Man, you should do, as a matter of fact, you should do everything you do excellent, okay? That should be your new goal. I'm just going to do everything I do excellent. To the, for the glory of God. It's not for me, it's for him. I'm gonna be the best I can be. I'm gonna be, but it's not about me. And when that happens, guess what you reach immediately? Immediately you reach what you're aiming for right now. Here's, it's, a F, it's an F word, a four letter F word. Thank you, thank you, Anthony. Here's what you're gonna reach. You're gonna reach full. That's what you're looking for. I just wanna be full. I just wanna be full spiritually. You ever just get full spiritually, just, I feel like a full person. You know what it's like to feel like a half person, three-quarter person, a struggling person. Listen, if you do what you do, good or bad, for God's glory, and you you just settle into your created purpose, verse 12, for this reason you were saved, you trusted that we should be to the praise of his glory, when you just be you. I'm not the best that I could be, though. Are you at least trying your best and failing a lot? Yes, okay, good. You can find yourself, even in your struggles and striving, and just smile and say, it's not about me. It's about him. And you reach full immediately. And you find yourself the happiest person in the car, the happiest person on the road, the happiest person at the bank, the happiest person at the gym, the happiest person in your home. That's all what we're looking for. I just want to be full. I just want to reach that nirvana. It's found when you reach and understand your purpose okay the, this, the purpose of life has been verse 12 uh, and by the way uh, this is seen throughout the entire scriptures okay everything we do we do for the glory of god we set our goals on him as a matter of fact colossians 3 he writes from prison again he says this in verse 17 and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him So i don't care what you guys do Just do it for his glory. Do it for him. Do it in the name of Jesus. This changes everything. Uh, um, When you realize that what you're doing is for God's glory. As a matter of fact, two things come. You can write this in your notes if you're a life group member. You're going to talk this through or you just want to see what happens. When you realize this, two things happen immediately. Number one is humility. Okay, anybody need some more humility? Man, humility just puts a smile on your face. It just makes you, you're like, hey, hey. Oh, hey, hey. As you smile, you're, you're looking at other people. You just love them, and God can then reflect His glory back to Himself and use humility. It's not about me, it's not about my attempts. It's not about this. And what, you can ask this question when you have that humility why are you doing what you're doing? I'm doing it for God. Just being a good steward over my lawn. I'm being a good steward over my car. Why do you wash your car? Because I want to be a good steward over it. I just want to do it for the glory of God. And I just, He's so good. He's so grand. I'm all of my stuff's gonna just disappear, but I was saved to the praise of his glory. I'm gonna live that way. And you get humility immediately. Not only do you get humility, but you get courage. Okay? You get humility because it's not about you, and you get courage because it's not up to you. Did you know that? when you figure out as a husband or a wife or a leader or a small group person or a single person or a voter or so when you figure out man i'm so glad it's not up to me i'm so glad i don't have the weight of the world on my shoulders you ever put the weight of the world on your shoulders gosh that'll make your back hurt i used to do that all the time and the lord busted me one day he's like luke stop trying to save the world i already did it and i was like oh sorry about that true story And when you finally figure out that it's all his glory, he's gonna get it no matter what, okay? You receive humility and you receive courage because it's not about you and you can rest and you can settle. Here's the deal. This is a fine balance because you're all gonna do stuff the rest of your life. Watch this. Just check yourself this week. You're gonna do things. You're gonna set goals. You're gonna have purpose. You're gonna be driven. You're gonna be ambitious. You're gonna want things. You're gonna go after things. It's just There's no stopping that, okay? No stopping it, but How you do it with humility and courage. Who you do it for, that can change. Why do you strive? Why do you struggle? Why are you For his glory. It's for his glory. And that gives you great humility and great courage. Or you could do it for your own glory, and you're going to have fear, and you're going to have pride, and you're going to have anger and aggression, you're going to be upset. You're going to do tons of stuff this week. So am I. Wouldn't it be fun just to put a smile on your face and say, thank you, Jesus, that the whole purpose, the whole purpose... It's not purpose. What is your purpose? It's so simple to bring glory to God. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I often ask that question to the couple. I say, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? What's the purpose of marriage? Why does marriage exist? And all of a sudden, I love it depending on who I'm meeting with. I'll sit back and listen to the very uh, narcissistic uh, answers that I get. Well, Marriage is, is because we love each other. You know, it's... To, exp- it's to fulfill our desires that's you know and it's, it's, and all these reasons and no one's ever really thought about what's the purpose of marriage i don't know we're mar- we love each other so we should get married to each other to fulfill our goals and it's all about us and i just uh, remember i actually learned this it's true uh, but i heard it from uh, pastor jeremy haskell who was one of my roommates he was the one who was on the top bunk and when he went through his own premarital counseling his premarital pastor asked him what do you think the purpose of marriage is him and his wife-to-be, Lisa Haskell, said the purpose of marriage is to be refined and to glorify God. And they said, wait, say that again. Let me write that down. That's good stuff right there. (laughs) Who says that? Purpose of marriage, glorify God and be refined. Somebody who gets it. Somebody who gets it. The purpose of marriage, the purpose of your life is to give God the glory and to be changed did you know that when you get married, you have an opportunity to serve and to sacrifice and to commit to somebody? Okay? You, you give your life to them, and it's very similar to when you got saved. You now are devoted to the Lord, and when you get married, you exchange vows. Okay, those vows are pretty serious. You ever read those vows before? It talks about like death and sickness, all kinds of stuff in here, like we're doing this forever. And a lot of people don't understand that that purpose is for his glory. It is for him. And when you understand that, it just changes everything. And uh, whether or not I pulled too much out of that verse or not, I don't think I did. So I would encourage you to consider everything you're doing in your life right now. There are things in your life you shouldn't be doing. Just they're sinful. They're bad. You need to stop that. I understand. You need to deal with that. But there's things in your life right now you just don't know. It's a gray area. Should I just keep doing this? Yeah, man, do it. Do it for the glory of God. Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do, okay, just do it for Jesus thanking him through it I thank God that I'm able to do this I thank God that I can have this house I thank God that I can have this I can this is all the Lord and all of a sudden you'll reach that f word that four letter f word that you heard in church today full okay you'll feel full You'll be that person that you're trying to be right now anyways, looking after your own glory, which will never, ever do it. Look at verse 13, speaking of marriage. It says, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He goes on to then talk about this idea of being sealed. When you trusted in the Lord, when you got married to the Lord, when you got married or when you get married, do you think trust is involved a little bit? Well, man, you are trusting this person. You are giving yourself to them, and they are giving themselves to you. And it takes trust. And he says in this very same verse 13, when you heard the word, you trusted. And when you trusted, you were sealed. The reason I say marriage in this verse is this word he uses for sealed is the same word that they use today in modern Koine Greek, or should I say modern Greek, this is Koine Greek, that he would pen this letter in. In modern Greek today, the same word is used when you are engaged to somebody. They're sealed. A ring is put upon their finger and you say, I commit to you and you're committed to me. And we now are choosing to trust one another as newlyweds to be and committed. We will find ourselves in just a few months, weeks, or years. Look at verse 13 again. He says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Last week I uh, taught you that that word seal is what would be used on cargo, that one would purchase cargo and would seal it with his own signet ring and the wax and the softness and the receiving, and then it would be shipped from one port to the other, primarily through the Aegean Sea. and It would make its way from one port to the other. That seal would both protect it and preserve it and be able to identify it when it got to the other port. How true is that with the Lord and you? When you got saved, when you trusted in him, he said, my seal's on you. I see you, you see, we're there and I'm gonna get you through life. I'm gonna get you from one port to the next. You're gonna be fine, okay? It's gonna be stormy, okay? There's gonna be some some stuff. There's gonna be some pirates out there, you know? But I'm gonna get you where you're trying to go and that relationship you have with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit with you seals you, but not just until we get to the port, but when we get to the port is our wedding day. If you would, when we find ourselves married to Jesus, our groom, we are the bride of Christ and we find this relationship. Marriage is given to us on earth to display and demonstrate a heavenly commitment and relationship that God is going to have uh, with us. And so we are committed. And I'll tell you what, that commitment is his to you and yours to him. And his commitment to you is greater than yours to him. He won't let you go. Okay. The Bible says it this way. No one can take anybody out of my hand. If, if you're holding the hand of God today, that's good news, okay? You, like a stubborn little brat, may try and let go of your papa's hand, okay? You ever walked across the street with a kid that doesn't want to go? Who, who wins? Yeah, you know. Yeah, one arm. We got this. That's no big deal. You know, we'll get through this. And, and God doesn't let go. You might wonder from time to time, I don't know if I can hang on, Lord. <laughs> and he laughs. I know you can't. That's why I didn't leave your salvation up to you, okay? It's up to me. I saved you. I won't lose you. We'll make it through this. I'm committed to you, sealed. We're not going to break up. We're not going to break it off. And you might have a bad day or a wandering moment. God knows where you're at. God has never left you. He's the shepherd that leaves the 99 and seeks after the one. It's just, it's all on him. He is the one, Okay. Here's the deal though, as we transition now into this idea of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk quick, I need you to listen fast. Look at verse 14. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and he says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory, okay? He ends verse 14, this whole thought, talking about how it now happens. Where's the power at? Where's the, where's the program here? How do we know this is going to work? And he says, it's the Holy Spirit. When you trusted, everything changed. As a matter of fact, he uses the word regeneration, okay? You're born again. Jesus spoke about that in John 3, speaking of what the Holy Spirit does to you. He does something new, something you can't do. You and I are goal-driven, purpose-driven. I wanna try this, do that. Did you know you have no real access to your heart to change it? You just don't. You can change your mind all you want. You cannot change your heart. And if you change your mind, God will then change your heart. And he changes your spirit. The Bible says he regenerates you. He makes you new. He births you again. Something you can't do to yourself, he did it for you. As a matter of fact, I feel prompted to tell a story. (laughs) On May 19th, 2010, I was here in Newport. Didn't live here yet. I lived in Ashland. And I was making the decision to move here. And I was driving around town. I remember I was in the church's Ashton Christian Fellowship's Tahoe and uh, Noah wasn't sleeping well. So he was in the back of the car and I drove for two hours straight in Newport. It was the worst two-hour depression drive of my life. It was a day like today, rainy and stormy. I drove up and down all the roads trying to get this kid to sleep and he was asleep. But I was just looking at all the signs and looking at the town and just imagining, am I really moving here? And I began to have second thoughts and began to say, Lord, have you seen this town? People use moss to paint their signs with, and everything's falling apart, and it was very gray and dreary, and, and I began to just get very scared and anxious, and I'm, I'm honest. And I was in the Nye Beach turnaround, Nye Beach turnaround, and I was coming through, and I, and I realized that I'd been driving in the flesh, using my fleshly eyes this entire time and just considering things, and I just repented. I was like, Lord, what am I doing? I'm just thinking on a different level here. I'm wrong, and, and I apologize, but I do need Lord. And I said this to him. I'm at Nye Beach coming through. I said, I apologize, I'm in the flesh, I just need, but I, I need a sign. I do need you to speak to me. I truly am making a decision. I need to know, is this where you want me to take my family to? Is this the town? I'll do it, but just give me a sign, please, a sign. I said it that way out loud, a sign. I'm at the stop sign. And I looked to my right to make sure no traffic is coming, and guess what there was, a sign. <laughs> and it was a sign made of old, recycled driftwood, broken frames, pieces of trash and it was a sign that spelled regenerate and when i saw that word regenerate it reminded me of john 3 this regeneration the holy spirit changing people's lives i said lord just give me a sign and there was this sign that said regenerate and the lord spoke to me and said that's what i'm going to do to this town No one else can do it. I'm the only one who can do it and I'm going to do it to this town. I just, Lord, give me a sign and he gave me a sign of his Holy Spirit that changes everything. I say that to say this. If you love God and love heaven and love the church and are excited about what's next but you don't love the Holy Spirit, you're blowing it. You're missing it. The Holy Spirit regenerates. He changes everything. He is the power source that has been given to you and to me to make things work. So much of us Study the word as if we're going to be tested upon it later. Memorize this, know that, find this out. Got to understand Greek, theology, theology. How do you even say it? And the Lord would say, No, no, what you, you need the power. Okay? You need the, whole, you need the actual person of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Verse 14 ends, this whole riches, this whole brilliance, this whole section on the Holy Spirit moving inside of you. When he moves inside of you, not only does he regenerate your spirit the first time, makes you new forever, but he lives in you. And I believe this is probably in our church, one of the big problems you have in your day to day grind is not how much you know, but how well you know who you know, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let me just get some things very clear in a little bit of time. Where'd the time go? Can we do daily savings again? Another hour? Backwards? Something? (laughs) Most of you know this, some of you don't. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. He's a person. He's intimate. He can be grieved. He can be attracted. He can be spoken to. He can be worshiped. Okay? He can be called upon. He is actually, Jesus said, he's, he's, he's better than me during the next season. It's better that I go away, that he would come and dwell with you and convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's going to be there for you. The Holy Spirit's here, present. Somebody here today is like, man, I just want to figure this out. I just need to know how to do this. I need to memorize the verses so I can overcome this sin. I need to do something. And the Holy Spirit's inside of you right now, waiting to be accessed. The Holy Spirit's with you kind of like the wind around us you guys ever see the wind you don't you sense it and feel it though he's there and when you got saved the wind moved inside of you it's no longer just moving around you it'd be kind of like putting chocolate syrup inside of milk you ever done that before once you put the chocolate syrup inside of the milk it's in there okay now how many of you realize that when you put the chocolate syrup inside of milk that it still looks like regular milk okay until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Bible teaches succinctly that we have three relationships with the Holy Spirit. He's with everyone. He's everywhere in the world like the wind. But then he moves inside of you like chocolate syrup inside milk.
1: And he comes inside of you and
0: borns you again. He births you again, something new. And then there are those moments when you overcome sin, when you walk in the miraculous, when you forgive, when you love, when you smile, when you reach full, when life makes sense, that that chocolate milk is stirred up in you. It's activated, kind of like a seltzer, Alka-Seltzer tablet ever seen one of those? Just drop it in the water. What's it do? It goes crazy. The Holy Spirit is like that inside of you, waiting for that opportunity to be activated, waiting for whatever needs to be happened, whatever needs to be done when you make that decision to just trust in him. Look at verse 14. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Now, let me just say this. This word guarantee is this down uh, payment if you would this earnest down that was given to us by god have you ever sensed god in a, in a song you ever sensed god in your prayer time or sensed god and and maybe just looking at the sunset or just you just felt god isn't that the best feeling in the world there's no better feeling in the world so that's full okay you can have that anytime you want anytime you want when you live for the glory of god anytime you want you can be full effervescent chocolate milk whatever you use the illustration however you want it can it can be awesome Did you know that that's just a sneak peek of coming attractions? Did you know that that's just a down payment? That's just the tip of the iceberg, if you would. That's just a little bit of what God has in store for us. He's given to you the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. If he gave you all of him now in your earthly body, you would explode. Okay, he's too nice. He's like, no, I can't give you any more than that. You'll die. As a matter of fact, D.L. Moody spent three days in a hotel room. Most of you know D.L. Moody, the great evangelist who now is in heaven. And he prayed the first day, said, Lord, I don't want to come out of this room until I get more of you. I just, I, I, I sense I don't have enough of you. Then shake that up, get any more chocolate milk, whatever. I just need to do something, change my life. And by the end of that three-day experience, D.L. Moody was crying out to the Lord, saying, no more, enough. That's, I'm full, stop, you're going to hurt me. And he came out of that hotel room, changed, and changed the entire world through his preaching and through his love and through his writing. The Holy Spirit Uh, This is the key, the key to your life, the key to your success, the key to doing what needs to be done next. Now, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit, uh, and I have a lot more to say about it, maybe we'll talk about the Holy Spirit next week as well. Um, Sometimes you feel and sometimes you don't, right? It's kind of like being married. Did you know that no matter what I think about my marriage, how I feel about it, if I'm aware of it at all, if I'm close to my wife or far from my wife, geographically or emotionally, did you know that no matter what I'm married, no matter what, I could stand like this and I'm still married. I could stand like, I'm still married. I'm still one foot married. Matter of fact, I didn't plan this, but I'm not even wearing my wedding ring today. I'm still married. I left it at the, I left it at the CrossFit gym yesterday. I took it off so I didn't blister my hands. Okay, I'm, oh, I'm not, I'm still married. Here's the point. Point is, is there are times where you feel closer to God than other times. You feel the Holy Spirit. You feel his power. Remember, do you have those times, those moments where the tears flowed and the journal was written and the hands were up and it was just amazing? I wish I could just keep... Listen, I love those times as well. With or without those felt times, the Holy Spirit is still in you, active, ready, committed to you like a married person, no matter what, whether you feel it or not. This will be what takes you to the next journey the next level the next giant in the land the next obstacle is realizing the holy spirit's in me okay he's, he's he'll come upon me that time when i need him when there's times of great joy or great need and it's just like a marriage there are times where i feel it closer and times where i don't feel it as close and let me just use this last illustration for you because i really want us to understand we spent so much time in verses three through fourteen When a locomotive, a steam engine locomotive is moved, it's pretty amazing because it moves on the power of steam, okay? Just water, hot water and pressure. And when the fire is stoked and the boilers are boiling and the steam is created, an entire locomotive starts to move. Did you know that there's a secondary function of the steam, though? There's a secondary purpose to the steam, not just to move the locomotive. There's a secondary purpose. The secondary purpose is in the front where the engine guy is. What's his name, captain? Engineer? Engineer. That's a cool name. That guy. The engineer. He has this opportunity where he wants to let people know he's coming to pull the cord and go, everyone do it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's not the primary purpose of the steam in the engine. Did you know that? The primary purpose of the steam, the power, is to get this locomotive moving one point to another. To, some people think that the Holy Spirit is only intended to, 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 to let us know that we're coming, to, let us, to, to toot our horns when we do something miraculous or powerful. Listen, I truly believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is more basic than that more fluid than what some people have come to believe in their walk with Jesus. That the Holy Spirit is for you, 365, 24-7, moving your life. To live the Christian life successfully. To live it full. To live on track. To get from here to there every day in your marriage and your parenting and your negotiations and your voting and your ne- it's how many people are waiting well as soon as i need the holy spirit as soon as there's a miracle as soon as there's a problem as soon as things get really bad i'll call upon him doot, doot. when in reality okay i think the life of the christian is to be more fluid more magnanimous more awesome more full even in your failures Even in your tries, in your attempts, when things don't go right, you can find yourself navigating full, rich in Christ. Okay, So important to Paul that they knew the riches that they had through the Holy Spirit, that he talked to them and ended this portion speaking about his relationship. Last story. I'm going to have the worship team come on up uh, right now. Uh, My pastor, Pastor Mark Anderson, wrote a a paper on the Holy Spirit. He did a whole paper in in college, Bible college. And when he got the paper given back to him, it had a big, fat, red F circled. So hard was it circled that the paper was torn with the red pen and the red F. And he was teaching this to us when we took our theology class. And he said the reason the teacher gave him back this paper on the Holy Spirit with the red F is because he had decided to abbreviate the Holy Spirit. And he called the Holy Spirit the HS. And it was a whole, a whole paper on the Holy Spirit. So we kept saying the HS, the HS, the HS. And the teacher said the Holy Spirit is not an abbreviation. Okay, The Holy Spirit is a person. He's, he's a triune being. He's part of God. He is God. And we, I'll just be honest, I'll go there with you real quick. We don't understand that. We don't comprehend that, at least not to the degree that we'll comprehend it in heaven. But if you decide today to just say, Holy Spirit, as a matter of fact, let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace and your kindness that you moved into us and brought about that regeneration, that new life. And that you have promised to stay with us you've sealed the deal and you've given to us you've promised to give to us all of the riches all of the blessings that are in jesus that you have said you would make that ours and i'll be the first to say if you have a change in my life that you would like to implement if I if i'm seeing things wrong if i'm missing it if it's just if i've been doing it my way or trying to work harder than than I need to I, I don't think Peter works very hard to walk on water as a matter of fact there's no effort that we could even offer to walk on water we, you can't be lighter you can't walk lighter it's you and Holy Spirit you're here now and there are people who are struggling in their marriages and struggling in their finances And their proclivity is to just, oh, sorry, Lord, I'll try again. Sorry. When maybe it's just a tap out. Or we say, oh, wait, wait. Maybe it's, maybe the riches are a person. Maybe it's it's the Holy Spirit in my life. And If you would be willing to say, I don't understand it all. I'm not going to boast. But I do want more of the Holy Spirit. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to, I want to grow in my understanding of the riches of Christ, and I want to just believe even deeper today. I want to believe, and I want to live for the glory of him and not myself, and Holy Spirit, would you just, would you come into my life in a greater degree? I'm saved, but I need more of you. Would you just baptize me again in the Holy Spirit? Just take over my life. Make me powerful. Make this, this locomotive. Make it go from one end to the other. Would you just raise up your hands? Maybe both of them. Maybe just both by way of surrender. Just say, yes, Holy Spirit. I... I just want more of you. I trust you. I trust you. You said that when we believed, we would trust. Like a marriage, we would just, I trust you. I trust you to be good and to be kind, to be generous and to be faithful to, to me. And I I maybe by hands being up, you would say, I I in your heart, I I don't, I can't promise I'll be faithful. I'm, I'm actually a mess. But I want to trust in your faithfulness. I want to trust in you to do it, to accomplish it. I want to have that grace and peace. And Lord, my hands are up too, and I would just confess I believe in you. I believe that you'll be faithful to finish the work you began that you'll lead this church you'll lead these people you'll lead this group you'll do mighty things it's just who you are but we do ask lord for a greater understanding a greater awareness of your presence and we just pray that we would be in tune with what you're doing tune us up lord draw us in may we be that church lord that glorifies you in all that we do even now as we come to the table confessing our sins, receiving again that grace, that kindness and forgiveness, examining ourselves and proclaiming your death until you come. We do what we do, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you all stand? And when you're ready to take communion, come down the center aisles, take your communion out to the sides, and there'll be people on my right and left to pray for you during this time as well.